Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf, and today we're going to talk about success mindsets, the key to unlocking greater success. I am the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help elevate the quality of leadership across the world and work with those leaders to create a thriving future. Our work includes assisting leaders in identifying the disruptive trends that we are now facing, which isn't that hard to identify, but more importantly, developing the strategies that they require to transform themselves and their organizations to navigate through this disruption and position to be successful as the world continues to reverberate from the the pandemic and other challenges. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. Our guest is Ryan Gottfriedson. Ryan is a cutting-edge leadership development consultant, author, trainer, and researcher. He's the Wall Street Journal and USA Today best-selling author of Success Mindsets, the key to unlocking greater success in your life, work, and leadership. He's also a leadership professor at the College or, sorry, at the, the College of Business and Economics at California State University, Fullerton. So mindsets are the most foundational elements of why leaders do what they do. Unfortunately, most leaders are not conscious of their mindsets, and their negative mindsets wreak havoc on their effectiveness. Ryan joins me today to discuss his new book, Success Mindsets, The Key to Unlocking Greater Success in Your Life, Work, and Leadership, and what leaders can do to awaken their mindsets and develop successful mindsets so that they can become more effective as leaders and more effective in their lives. So Ryan, what else do you want to tell us about yourself before we jump into the challenge leaders are facing? Oh man, that was such a great introduction. I I think as a whole, I'm just excited to partner with you to creating a a thriving future. And, And I think probably both of us agree that leaders are what set the tone for the culture of the environments that we're in. And that could be nationally, that could be within an organization, that could even be within a family. So I'm excited to, to dive into how can we become more effective leaders and more positive influences in, in the spheres in which we navigate. Brilliant. And I loved our conversation in advance of the session. So we're going to talk, um, starting with, uh, why is it that 75% of employees say that their direct leader is the worst and most stressful part of their jobs? And if you can tie in a little bit of the um, how we're on autopilot, that would be, I think, incredibly helpful to our audience. Yeah, the, the thing that's really interesting to me, because I go around and I, I work with organizations to develop their leaders. So oftentimes I get put into a room with 50 to 100 to even more leaders in that room. And one of the questions that I'll ask all of them at the beginning 
is raise your hand if you are trying the best that you can in your leadership. And it's nearly unanimous. Maybe there's some social pressure to raise their hands, but, but everybody's raising their hand. They're all trying their best. They all want to have a positive effect on, on the people that they're leading and the organizations that they're running. There's no doubt about it in my mind. But then we get the statistic that you mentioned, which is 75% of employees say that their leader is the most stressful and worst part of their job. I mean, to me, this is a huge disconnect. We've got leaders on one side that are saying, I'm trying the best that I can. We got followers that are saying, you're doing a terrible job, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. so, so where does this disconnect come from? Well, what I've learned here is that it's a combination of two things. It's a combination of really good intentions on the leader side, but also really low awareness. But then the question becomes awareness of what? And it's awareness of the non-conscious automatic processing that drives how we think, how we learn, and how we behave. And what and researchers have found that 90% of our thinking, learning, and behaving is driven by our non-conscious automatic processing. And we're just not aware of this. And we're not aware of the primary factor that drives all of this non-conscious processing. And that's actually our mindsets. So 90% of what I do is on autopilot and I don't really have a choice. We have a choice when we become aware of it. The challenge is, okay. is becoming aware of it, right? So let me let me give you an example of this from my personal life that'll hopefully make this come to life. So my freshman year of college, I was thinking I wanted to become a medical doctor. So I signed up for the Weeder pre-med chemistry class. And at the end of that semester, I got a C grade. This was the worst grade I had ever received by far. And it to me it was a failing grade. And so after that semester, I'm having to kind of wrestle with this failing grade. And what do I do? Well, at the time, I had what is called a fixed mindset, which means that at an innate level, I believe that I cannot change my talents, abilities, and intelligence. Mm. And so with this fixed mindset, I was left to interpret this failure as though I'm a failure, at least in chemistry. And, and on this pursuit to becoming a medical doctor. So upon receiving the C grade, I, I interpreted this as, oh, this doesn't come naturally to me. I better change my major. And so that's what I did. And this was all occurring non-consciously is this didn't work for you. You better change. Well, now that I know that there's a difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. So when we have a growth mindset, we believe we can and change, we can change our talents, abilities, and intelligence, then what happens is when when I failed in this instance is I didn't have to interpret this as though I am a failure. What I could do is I could now interpret this a different way that is much more productive, such as, hey, this is some really great feedback that your study habits may not be up to par for becoming a medical doctor. And so rather than give up on my dream of becoming a medical doctor is what I did with my fixed mindset. If I had a growth mindset, I would have interpreted this as, okay, I better buckle up and I better double down. And and if I could do that, there's no doubt I would have been successful. But my, my mindset didn't even let me go there. So one, we're grateful that you didn't do that. (laughs) Um, I'm sure you would have been a fabulous medical doctor 
and you've used some of what you, uh, some of that innate ability to understand physiology in the neuroscience part and also psychology. So can you um, help our listeners understand how, how the study of neuroscience has changed how we view leaders and leader development? Yes, and I appreciate the question. So my perception is that most leadership and organizational development efforts were founded pre-2005. And, and it's not that these are necessarily bad. I just think they're a little bit short-sighted. And here's why. Because there has been more neuroscience research in the last 15 years than all of time before that. In other words, we know more about the mind today than ever before, and particularly when these development philosophies were created. And so what that means is most of the development philosophies that we rely upon, they don't incorporate the mind. And so, I, but the mind is at the root of why everybody does what they do. And so we need to include it in these philosophies. But then the question becomes, well, the mind is incredibly complex. So what do we focus on? And, and to your point is through both psychology and neuroscience, I think we could pinpoint it back to mindset. So a lot of people think that mindsets are, are almost this fluffy or ethereal concept. Well, we've all got to have a positive mindset. It's something maybe more akin to a positive attitude. But the reality is, is our mindsets are so much more than that, that literally they are long range neural connections that span across all three major brain regions, our reptilian, our mammalian, and our human brain. So our brain is made up of millions of neural connections. Only a small percentage of these span across all three of these major brain regions. And that's where our mindsets reside. These are, in fact, our mindsets. And so they regulate how these three major brain regions work together. And they have three primary roles. So The first role is to filter in specific information because there's way more information sent to our brain than what we can process. So they're first sending in, filtering in information. Second, we then interpret that information in unique ways, such as a failing grade as being a signal uh, that you need to change your major or a failing grade as a signal that you need to double down your efforts. And then based upon the information taken in and how you interpret it, you're going to behave differently. And so those are the three jobs that these long-range neural connections play. And that's why mindsets are so foundational to everything that we do, how we think, how we learn, and how we behave. Does that make sense? Yeah, yes, thank you. It, it absolutely does. Sorry, I was taking notes as well um, because this is information that while I work with mindsets, I don't have the neuropsychology or the neurology background. Um, so it's interesting that the neurons, we talk about building neural pathways, but I hadn't talked about building them across the three segments of the brain. And so that means when I'm under um, stress, that my mindset will govern my behavior just like it does when I'm in my most lucid um non-stressful moments. Yeah. So, so then this gets us into the question is how do we come to have the mindsets that we have And the reality? And I'll I'll keep playing off of fixed and growth. And there's more than just these two, Mm -hmm. this set of mindsets, but since we've already been using them. 
So we, we all have a fixed mindset neural connection and we all have a growth mindset neural connection. And we'll, we'll use these at different times, but okay. one is going to be stronger than the other. That means that it fires more rapidly and more readily. So when we get in a stressful situation in particular, we're going to fall naturally fall back on the one that is stronger. And for me, uh, that used to be more of a fixed mindset. But the great news is, is our brains are, are pretty plastic and that we could shift our mindsets. In other words, what I need to do if I want to improve my mindsets is I've actually got to strengthen my positive mindset neural connections. I've got to effectively hit the gym for the brain. I've got to activate that over and over and over again so that that neural connection becomes stronger. And so you brought up the instance of stress, um, but, but it really gets to the idea that our current culture is part of what activates, whether it's the negative mindset or the positive mindset. So our current culture will play a really important role in, in which mindsets we pre- predominantly rely upon in those environments. So one thing I have come to believe is my brain is wired to keep me alive. So when it's under stress, it's going to go to the neural pathways that I have developed more strongly. Yep. So if I have, uh, if I have, given more energy to spent more time exercising my fixed mindset, when something goes wrong, I'm going to fall into that path rather than the growth mindset path. Yep. Yeah. And, and that get, leads us to the other perspective, which is, okay, culture is something that shapes our mindsets, but also it's our prior life experience that shapes our mindsets. And that's, that's a huge, uh, you know, undertaking But one of the things that I've been finding lately from both the neuroscience and a psychological perspective, that one of the things that shapes our mindsets the most in terms of our prior life experience is trauma. It's that could be big T trauma or that could be little T trauma. So to make this come to life, if we remember that our mindsets are these neural connections that span across a reptilian, our mammalian and our human brains, What happens when we experience trauma is that actually as a defense mechanism um, to avoid the pain that comes with trauma, we do what psychologists say is we disintegrate the brain. That, That we actually, as a form of protection, is we inhibit the ability of these neural connections to work such that these three major brain regions can work well together. So, so oftentimes when somebody has experienced trauma, they're going to rely much more heavily on their reptilian and their mammalian brains than they are their human brain. And that human brain isn't able to play as strong of a role as it would if their brain was more integrated. And so when you read any sort of neuroscience around treating people that have gone through trauma, let's say PTSD, really the objective is to integrate the mind. And when we're integrating the mind, what we're doing is we're creating and strengthening these positive mindset neural connections. So we're talking to leaders about leadership development, and yet we've gotten into strengthening neural connections. So we've got about two minutes left in this segment. How do those things come together? Because as a leader, um, as a person who's experienced trauma, I'm thinking, holy crap, now what do I do? I can't just go do the things I've done, which was your point. 
I've got to also now exercise my brain and build these neuro connections. And I'm wondering if things like meditation help or what, what would I do? Yeah, and I'm, I'm assuming we'll spend much more time on this after the break. But just to kind of get back into leadership, which I'm glad you're pulling this back there, is leaders tend to think that how they see the world is the best way to see the world. Of course, because right? we're, yeah. I, we're just biased towards our own perspective. But our mm-hmm. own perspective is based upon these two factors, our prior life experience, which can include trauma, and our current culture which has led us to believe that the current mindsets or mental lenses that we're wearing are the best mindsets to have. But the reality is, is that may not be the case. And it's really hard to become aware of that if you don't know what mindsets are out there, right? So if we could put a language and descriptions to mindsets such as fixed and growth, this allows an individual to now step outside of themselves and deepen their awareness. So remember, um, the reason why leaders are are not doing a great job in general is they've got good intentions but low awareness. And what we're now doing is we're laying the foundation for them to deepen their awareness, and then we could put in some practices that will allow them to activate and strengthen those positive mindset neural connections, which we can dive into. So deepen awareness, and what was the second one? Strengthen so neural the- connections. Yeah, so they deepen their their awareness. And then when we do this, it allows us the opportunity to see where we need to strengthen or what mindsets we need to strengthen to to unlock more effective leadership. So I'm looking forward to seeing your blog so that um, people can actually follow along because this is content rich. And if you're not sitting in a laptop taking notes, um, then you have to buy the book. Um, or maybe you should do both. Uh, Anyway, so we're going to go on break. And uh, this is uh, Ryan and Maureen, and we're talking about mindsets, how they're formed, and how they impact our ability to lead and be successful in life in all facets of life. So for our listeners, as we go on break, I would encourage you to think about where does the culture, our culture, whichever country within which you reside, and the, your life experiences shape how you see the world and create the biases that now become just like the water we swim in, that we're unaware of them um, or we would be managing them. So we'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead 
identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. We're talking to Ryan Gottfriedson, and we're talking about success mindsets, the key to unlocking greater success. Uh, before break, we went into some level of detail about um, both the brain and uh, culture and trauma and how that impacts us. Let's go into now in this segment, what are the mindsets? It sounds like there are a specific set that you uh, have researched. Yeah, great question. And, and really to summarize that first segment is hopefully what we did is we answered the questions, what are mindsets and why are they important, um, which is great. And now then the question becomes, well, what mindsets are out there and what mindsets do I need to be aware of? And that was the question that I had when I first started to come across mindset research. And I the first place that I actually went, I went to a place any good academic would do, go, and that is to Google. So I typed, I literally typed in Google, what mindsets do I need to have to be successful? And all of these articles popped up. And I'm going to say that 90% of the articles on mindsets on Google searches actually aren't about mindsets. They're more about attitudes or even behaviors. Um, so that that point, I was like, okay, I've got to dive into the academic literature. So I, I opened the floodgates to any discipline that may be studying mindsets. And what I found is that mindsets have been studied across psychology, education, management, and marketing. And in each of these domains, they're studying their own pet mindsets. But yet, they're finding in a set of mindsets that there's a mindset that's more negative, and there's a mindset that's more positive. And so creating this continuum of mindsets. And so what I've done in my work and what I've done with my book, Success Mindsets, is I've brought these four sets of mindsets together into a single framework that allows people, one, to kind of put labels to these mindsets, but then two, allows them to introspect to where along the continuum do mindset, mindsets fall um, on this range from negative to positive. And so... Um, if it's okay, let me let me maybe just quickly introduce these four sets. Would that be all right? Yes, please. 
Yeah, I want so, people to know what what we're talking about, not some mysterious thing, but like growth and fixed. Great. And you had mentioned uh, in the last segment that oftentimes the mindsets that we have are there almost to protect ourselves. Uh, and we are, operate tend to operate in ways that naturally protect ourselves. So let, let me give you four desires. And you tell me whether or not society says these are good or bad desires to have. Is that okay, Maureen? Absolutely. All right. So here's the desires. A desire to look good, a desire to be right, a desire to avoid problems, and a desire to get ahead. Would you say that society says these are good or bad desires? So it it says they're good desires when not overdone. So I want to be right and I want to look right. But more importantly, as a leader, I have to do what's right. Same with yep. looking good. Of course, I want to look good, but I also want to do what's best for the organization. And sometimes that means I have to admit my mistakes. Right. Which, which also isn't easy to do. So that's a great point that I want to come back to is I think we feel a lot of pressure to look good, be right, avoid problems and get ahead, particularly if we're leaders. But mm-hmm. we feel like we have to have all the answers, for example, and that if we look bad, that might limit our reputation or our credibility. Um, because, And these are very justifiable desires to have, because who wants to look bad, be wrong, have problems, and get passed up? Well, nobody, really, right? But when we have these desires, when these are our guiding desires, where is our focus? Self. It's, it's on ourselves, Right. And these are actually the desires associated with the four negative mindsets, which are fixed, this need to look good, close, this need to be right, prevention, this need to avoid problems, and inward, this need to get ahead. And if I'm being honest with you, I think I focus on mindsets partly because I've needed a lot of work on my mindsets and continually do. I've... I would say primarily live most of my adult life having these desires. And I think often, to, I guess I was had these desires because I didn't recognize that there's more positive desires to have. So let me give you the more positive desires. So instead of a desire to look good, we want to have a desire to learn and grow. Instead of a desire to be right, we want to have a desire to find truth and think optimally. That's this difference between being right versus benefiting the organization, which means at times we might have to admit that we've been wrong, uh, which isn't easy to do in the moment. Instead of having a desire to avoid problems, we need to have a desire to reach goals. And instead of having a desire to get ahead, we should have a desire to lift others. And these four positive desires, learning and growing, finding truth, reaching goals and lifting others, is, are fueled by the more positive mindsets, which are growth, open, promotion, and outward. So that leaves us with four continuums, fixed and growth, closed and open, prevention and promotion, and inward and outward. That makes sense. Is that okay to follow? It's easy when I've got a slide behind me and I'm explaining this, but hopefully that, that helped make these come to life. Okay, so I'm going to repeat them because I'm taking notes. And again, I assume our listeners are doing as I'm doing. um, And I missed some. So first is look good. It's a fixed mindset on the negative side. 
my goal is to learn and grow. So the positive is growth. Correct. Yeah. Perfect. Second is be right. The negative is closed. The behavior on the positive side is find truth and think optimally. So we would call that an open mindset. Yeah. The third is avoid problems. So that's a prevention mindset. Yep. Um, my goal is to reach goals. So that's a, is that a goal mindset? It's a promotion mindset. So it's the okay. difference between not losing is a prevention and winning is a promotion mindset. So uh, are we playing to win or are we playing to not lose? Okay. And then the getting ahead is inward. And the, the other side is lifting others. So what, what is that mindset called? And that's an outward mindset. And, okay. and just something to add there. So when, when we have an inward mindset, we see ourselves as more important than others. And when we do that, we have a tendency to see others as objects and to treat them as such. But when we have an outward mindset, we see others as being just as important as ourselves. And when that happens, we're much more likely to treat them as people and to value them as such. Um, so even let me, let me just give you a quick example of this. Is I, I'm in Southern California where, where we have a lot of traffic. And uh, my guess is that other people can relate to me on this. But at times, uh, and this is uh, the not so positive side of myself, at times there'll be, be somebody in the lane next to me. They'll put on their blinker and want to merge into my lane in front of me. And there's been times where I've sped up and I haven't let them in, right? And in this moment, what I'm, I've got this inward mindset because what I'm saying to myself is this place in this lane is more important to me than it is to you. And then, it, and then the question becomes, how do I justify this? Because that's, I mean, it's not the end of the world, but it's kind of a jerk thing to do. So how do I justify this? Well, what I don't say is I don't say I didn't let that person in. What I do say is I didn't let that car in. I objectify mm. them and I'm not able to see the humanity of that person. And that's me with an inward mindset. And so even as I say this and to bring us back to leadership, when, when a leader is focused on getting ahead, he or she is just going to be, they're mentally wired to do the things and make the decisions that that help them succeed, that help them hit their metrics. And when they're so focused on themselves, they're inclined to ask employees to do things that they would never do if they saw them as people. Maybe that's, I need you to, I need you to come into work this weekend so that I can hit my metrics um, because I don't care about your weekend. I care about my metrics. Um, and so that's one of the examples in which this plays out. Does that make sense? It, it does. And I'm just thinking about some of the ideas of like trusted advisor, where self-interest is, is seen as a negative. It's hard to motivate people if you think um, the, the person asking you to do something is doing it in their self-interest versus the organization's interest. I may still ask you to come in on the weekend um, because it's COVID and we're trying to spread our patients out and we're running a cancer clinic. So, so mm -hmm. it may still be reasonable, but your motivation, my perception of your motivation totally drives my engagement and my employee experience, even though the request could be the same. 
And that's, I, I don't know if you realize it, but to me, you said something that nails it on the head in terms of that statistic that we led with. 75% of their employees think that their manager is the worst and most stressful part of the job. And what you said is it's all about the followers' perceptions of the leader's motives. Mm -hmm. So up until now, almost all leadership development research and, and practice is primarily focused on what do you as a leader need to do to be effective? But Versus what, the, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. But what I'm learning in my research is what is even more important to the follower is not what the leader does, but why the leader does, why he or she does it. And that's where we're tapping into. If we could add mindsets and the mind to the equation, we're starting to get at that. It's the motives that lie behind the behaviors. Because you could, you could have two different leaders engaging in the same behaviors, but with completely different motives. And what matters is those motives and really the underlying mindsets behind those motives. So one thing that struck me is the, the negative ones or the ones that we'll call negative um, all sounded like both self-interest and more fear motivated, closed prevention, inward, all sound like um, the world feels like a little bit of a hostile place. And if I don't take care of myself, nobody will. And so it, it's a, a, almost a tribal, very, my, me and my clique have to take care of each other. Um, and, and thinking about groups and how we've evolved almost, uh, well, it's tribal or mafia kind of We've got an internal group and anyone who's not us is them. And the, where I draw that line of them drives how I behave. If them is anyone outside of the organization, then we work with common interest. If them is anyone outside of my three people, then I'm, I'm going to behave in a way that is suboptimal for the organization. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. And that, to me, that, that in-group, out-group is usually an, uh, we have an inward mindset towards one group and an outward mindset towards our, our in-group. But, and, and it's, I mean, you're so right because really when we start to do this mindset work, we actually are inviting leaders to go on the deepest introspective dive that they have ever been on. Because okay. what we're inviting them to do is to awaken to their fears and their insecurities that is causing them to wreak havoc on the people around them. And leaders don't want to go there. It is really uncomfortable for leaders to, to kind of tackle their fears and insecurities. So at what, I've been working with a lot of organizations since COVID hit on how do I help our leaders and our organizations to become more agile. And what leaders are feeling is, our natural inclination is we don't like uncertainty. We don't like not feeling in control. And so what that means is oftentimes leaders during this COVID-19 is they've almost stepped in and said, how do I, how do I exert greater control on the situation? And, and how this plays out in a mindset is, is because of, a, of COVID-19, this is part of the culture. This is incentivizing them to take on more of a closed mindset, which leads them to be more afraid of uncertainty. 
And therefore, because they're afraid of uncertainty, they have this commitment to themselves to create that certainty, to be in control. And, mm-hmm. and then that leads them to do things that make them feel good because it lowers their insecurities yeah. and their risk. But then it that's generally has a detrimental effect on those around them because the people that they're leading now feel less empowered than they did before. And so in the mind of the leader is I'm trying the best that I can. And all the followers are saying, you're the worst and most stressful part of my job. So let me step back and make a couple of thoughts, maybe. Um, in-group, out-group, the, the example you gave is I'm the leader and I'm the in-group and the rest of you people are out. Um, protect myself first. And that is kind of how humans are wired um, to stay alive. And yet, as we think in a global, so now I'm going to do the 30,000 foot um, view, in a global environment, the the fewer people are on the out-group, the better decision I will make um, in, in a global organization. So it, if out equals people outside of my Columbus, Ohio, then I'm going to give preference there. If out means anyone not on planet earth, I'm making very different decisions because now I'm looking at how do I, um, attending to pollution and, um, uh, how we deal with the pandemic and those things. And we know that germs spread quickly. So do behaviors and so mm-hmm. do mindsets is my assumption. Yeah. And, and particularly any sort of a crisis, including COVID-19, it, in, it incentivizes us because it is a form of trauma. It incentivizes us to take on more of these negative mindsets, to be a turtle that pulls our head into our shelves and gets in this self-protection mode. But when we know this language of mild mindsets, it empowers us to be intentional about keeping our neck out, even during times that it seems risky, because that's the only way we're going to be able to contribute and add value to the lives of others if our neck is out. It's, we're never going to be able to do that if our head is stuck in our shells. Perfect. So we're going to go on break. And in the next section, we're going to talk about the very exciting opportunity to awaken to our fears and insecurities. Um, so in service of managing our mindsets and being more effective. So this yeah. is, go ahead. And let me just add and becoming more of our ideal selves. Perfect. So uh, this is Ryan and Maureen, and we are talking about what mindsets are and how to navigate them effectively as leaders. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. 
the Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. Today we are talking about success mindsets, the key to unlocking greater success. And so, Ryan, can you talk, in the last segment, you told us what the four mindsets were, the, the um, more limiting and the more expansive. Uh, so what can leaders do to awaken to? So first, the awareness, and then second, to improve those mindsets. Yeah, great questions. And I, I guess the analogy that I use uh, to go about understanding how we go about shifting our mindsets is, I don't think that this is too different than learning how to count to 10 in a different language, right? So not that that's the easiest thing in the world, but it's surely doable. So us shifting mm-hmm. our mindsets is very doable. The, the first step when we want to learn how to count to 10 in a different language, let's just say Spanish is we got to learn the words associated with the numbers. So uno means one, dos means two. Well, in terms of mindsets, the first step that we need to have is we need to put labels on mindsets. We need to understand what they are. So we've talked about those, fixed and growth, closed and open, prevention and promotion, inward and outward. So we've largely covered that. Of course, uh, hopefully they can, there's other resources that we could provide that allows people to have greater depth because it's only when the, we have these labels and we understand what they mean or the meaning behind them, can we introspect and actually evaluate the quality of our mindsets? And, and I guess maybe might be an appropriate time to mention this, and I'll, I'll probably mention this at the end, but I've developed a personal mindset assessment to help people identify mm. the quality of their mindsets. And so that's on my website at ryangotfordson.com. It's a quick five to seven minute assessment, but then it it helps people to identify where along these continuums are their mindsets relative to the 11,000 plus other people who have taken the mindset assessment. Mm, so, okay. So that's step one and we, which I think we've, we've largely covered. And that's the first step in learning how to count to 10 in a different language. Then the second step is effectively we've got to just spend about five to 10 minutes every day practicing this this new language. 
And in the course of probably three, four, five weeks of practicing counting to 10 in Spanish, my guess is we're going to become quite fluent in now counting to 10 in Spanish. And so the same thing goes with our mindsets. And as we talked about earlier, our mindsets are our neural connections in our brain that span across our three major brain regions. And what we've all got a negative mindset neural connection. We've all got a positive mindset neural connection. What we've got to do is we've got to stimulate and exercise and strengthen these positive mindset neural connections. We've got to hit the gym for our brain. And really all it takes and what science is showing it takes is about five to 10 minutes per day being intentional about activating and stimulating those positive mindsets. So I, hopefully that makes sense at a kind of a 10,000 foot view. And then maybe we can dive into some specifics about how, you know, what are some of these exercises we can engage in, but does that make sense at least at, at that 10,000 foot view? It, it does. And um, how does that connect then to awakening to our fears and insecurities? And, and then after that, how does that, I do leadership development as you do. How, I, I have the, the imagination that some listener out there is saying, there is no stinking way I am going to go to a leadership class and talk about my fears and insecurities. That belongs in a therapist's office, and I may or may not want therapy. But, and the reality is, is we probably need more therapy in business than, than what we have. Um, but let me give you a, an exercise that I do in my coaching that okay. can get us there really quick. And, and I... I've done this with both individuals as well as groups, and I found that it not only goes quickly, but it also does so in a way that it creates a safe environment where we could talk about these things, which has been okay. a, a really cool experience working with leadership teams. So what we're going to do is we're going to start, start uh, I've got four questions that are going to get us there. So the first question is, what is a goal that you have for your leadership? And, and it's, it needs to be something that one feels like they're in control over. That's really important. And what this goal is going to do is it's going to serve as the anchor for the next three questions. And I'm going to make this kind of go quickly and also to come to life. I'm going to use an example of my daughter. And, and this isn't necessarily with leadership per se, but it's her life in general. And my daughter came to me a couple of years ago and, and her goal was to learn how to ice skate. So that was her goal. So that's question number one. What is the goal that you have? It, it could be for your leadership, for your life. Either one will work. Then we go into question number two. So we're getting at the next layer down. And this is our behavior level. And the question is, what are you currently doing or not doing that is preventing you from reaching your goal? So in the case of my daughter, when I took her ice skating, this was new to her. She had never worn ice skates, never been on ice. And she stepped on the ice was, you know, as you understand or understandably so very wobbly. And she just kind of held on to the wall. And for the next hour and a half, we just shuffled around the outside of the rink with her holding on the wall. And the whole time I'm kind of encouraging her to, to come away from the wall, take some risks and, and let's you know, practice this. And, and she was very reluctant. So if I were to ask her the question, what are you currently doing or not doing that is preventing you from reaching your goals? She would have said one of the things that she's doing is she's hugging the wall. That's a doing that is preventing her from reaching her goal. Something she's not doing is she's not taking risks. Um, and so that, that's the second level. 
And I think most development, and you could correct me if I'm wrong here, Maureen, but I think most development programs stop here. They identify our doings and not doings, and they just say, well, what, what you need to do is stop hugging the wall and start taking risks, and then you'll be good. It's easy as that, right? Yeah, and there are barriers or we would have already stopped that. Yeah, exactly. And so that's where we need to d- drill deeper. And this is where we get mm-hmm. into our fears and in our, uh, our insecurities. So the third question then is, why are you doing or not doing these things? So in the case of my daughter, and, and the first place where we want to go is we want to go to her fears. What is a fear that she has? Well, she's probably got two fears. She has a fear of falling and she has a fear of getting hurt. And when we identify those fears, we could flip them into a commitment. So what is the commitment because of these fears? So for my daughter, it's because she's got this fear of falling. She wants to stay upright. And because she's got this fear of of getting hurt, she's committed to her safety. So these these two commitments are, are... her essentially her she's committed to her safety is what is driving her to do the very things that are preventing her from reaching her goal. So her commitment to safety is what's causing her to not take risks and to hold on to the wall, preventing her from learning how to ice skate. So this, this now becomes, this is where the really hard work is for a leader is, mm-hmm. is actually coming to terms with these fears and these commitments. But there's another thing that we could also investigate here, and that is our assumptions. So, so my daughter has this assumption that is, if she steps away from the wall, that she will fall. And she's holding on to this as 100% truth. But as long as that is 100, if that is 100% truth, of course, she's not going to let go of the wall. But if she could acknowledge that this is an assumption... And that while it may be likely that she'll fall, it's not a 100% certainty. It's only then that she'll develop this courage to let go of the wall. So I do a very similar practice. Um, And when I, so when I started my business almost 20 years ago, uh, my issue was being a workaholic and I wanted to climb Kilimanjaro. Climbing Kilimanjaro meant I needed to quit working and go work out, not not quit my job, but leave work at a reasonable hour so I could work out. Um, when I got to the big assumption, it it was something like, I'm not smart enough. I'm going to fail at my own business, and then I'll be unemployed, unemployable. And I was living in a condo downtown with a homeless guy under our bridge. Who, who periodically had women there that you could hear screaming. Um, so my fear was I'm going to end up under the bridge with that homeless guy um, who will likely hurt me. So, so that big assumption, not to underestimate, that's where all of our brain, um, the, the prior traumas and the, um, the, the times that our brain as a little person thought something and we just never... Um, trained it differently. So I don't know if you get to that level of it's the big assumptions, big stuff. It's not insignificant. It is big stuff. And and it's almost because we get there so quickly in just three questions that it almost catches leaders off guard. Like they don't have enough time to put up their guard fully. 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and not to say that they don't, because they, that surely happens. And it's and, and this is actually one of the things that comes back to our conversation about trauma is the one of the primary negative impacts of trauma is that it actually prevents us from being self-aware because when we start to mm. explore these feelings is, is that we, we spent a lifetime covering these up. And so it's, there's leaders that are out there that they find this exercise incredibly difficult and, and they're oh, almost yeah. reluctant to do so. And it's partly because of the past trauma that they've been through. Um, but just to close this off, because so that third level that why are you doing or not doing these things that are preventing you from reaching your goal? We just uncovered fears, their associative commitments, and their associative assumptions. Um, and, and really, this is this is huge, but it's not at the foundation. Because then the question becomes, what is the mindset that are driving these fears, commitments, and assumptions? And that's where we could come back to this, this framework of these four sets of mindsets. And in the case of my daughter, it's really clear. She's got a prevention mindset. She, she's much more concerned about avoiding problems than reaching goals. And, and it's that prevention mindset that is driving these fears, commitments, and assumptions that are causing these behaviors that are self-sabotaging herself from reaching her goal. So when we get to this mindset level in this exercise, we're identifying not only the root of the problem, we're also identifying the opportunity for the solution. And that is we are, in her case, is we need to make a shift from a prevention mindset to a promotion mindset. And if we can make at a neurological level that shift, we, she'll take on more healthy fears, commitments, and assumptions, which will lead her to do the things that will help her uh, be more aligned with her goal. So hopefully that exercise makes sense there. Well, and for our listeners, I do something similar, but don't tie it yet back to mindsets. I will now. Um, I re- this The feedback I've gotten from hundreds of leaders is this is the most powerful exercise they can do. I really do encourage you to um, get Ryan's book and do the exercise. It, it, it can fundamentally change how you lead. Um, Ryan, uh, you've got one minute. Give our listeners contact your website, spell out your name. Yeah, no, thank you. So the best place, if you want any of this information, my website, Ryan Gottfredson, that's R-Y-A-N-G-O-T-T-F-R-E-D, like Fred, S-O-N.com. And there you'll find my free mindset assessment uh, you could get my book there. If you go through my website to get the book, a bunch of freebies. I also have a bunch of tools such as a digital mindset co- uh, coach um, and a, an online course if you want to take a really deep dive uh, into your mindset. So the website's the best place uh, to connect. Thank you. And again, I, I strongly encourage, and I don't typically do this, but the this idea of understanding the commitments and the experiments we can do to actually rewire your brain. And I'm sure Ryan's course takes you into a lot of details about how to put that in practice can, can shift where you are using your protective brain. Um, And when those fears go away, it liberates us to function significantly more effectively 
and that 90% autopilot stops being auto protect and more auto choice. Um, this is Maureen Metcalf. You're listening to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future. Please listen again, share with your friends, like the podcast, give comments, send me comments. I can be reached on LinkedIn, Maureen Metcalf, on Facebook, Innovating Leadership, or email me, info at innovateleader.com. We love your feedback. And we like, as you reach out to us, we steer our programming to better meet your needs. Thank you, Ryan. You have been uh, brilliant in sharing some really critical information with our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure, Maureen. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. And please come back again, either through your favorite podcasting platform or Voice America. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.